Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I want to deviate from the Patriots preseason opener and move back to the Red Sox, who are on our airwaves tonight, beginning at 6-10 as they get ready to welcome the Orioles to town for a one-game affair, part of the uh, makeup from the labor stoppage earlier this season. Joining us now is our ESPN MLB insider to talk Sox with us, Buster Olney. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great. Certainly having a better week than the Red Sox are. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of scrutiny, that's for sure. Red Sox four under, five back of the last wild card spot. I have declared them done. Not everyone else has, but I have declared them done. Yesterday, I outlined four reasons that I still want to watch the Red Sox this year. What do you think the Red Sox, or what do you think the reasons are for us to be watching the Red Sox moving forward are? Um, boy, well, first off, uh, I mean, it's baseball. Uh, <laughs> you start there. But I know that's not what you're referring to. Uh, you know, I, I personally love watching Raphael Devers hit. Like, he's, he's so much fun for me, uh, you know, to see him develop as a player and, and to, into a guy who, you know, compete for batting titles every year, it feels like, during the course of his career. Uh, you know, Jaron Duran, for all of his mishaps that he had in Kansas City the other day, he's still an exciting player. You know, we'll have to wait and see if he actually can figure out how to play center field. Um, you know, I, I personally like watching Alex Verdugo play. He plays with a lot of energy. I know he's been probably less than what a lot of Red Sox fans would hope for. Um, and I am sort of curious about, you know, some of the guys uh, that they have on this year's team moving into 2023, you know, who exactly they're going to build around because there is, major change coming on the horizon, no doubt about it. You know, I want to talk to you about Verdugo. I never expected Verdugo to be Mookie Betts when he was acquired. That's obviously unfair. But I did expect that he'd grow and kind of narrow that gap. His power numbers are essentially the same as they've always been. He's on pace for 11 home runs this year. His on-base percentage and batting average have actually dropped quite a bit this year. He's certainly good. There's no doubt about that. But He's not. He doesn't seem like a centerpiece to build around. Am I fair in that, or should I just accept he's a good player and move on? Yeah. So I'll always remember, you know, the words of Bobby Valentine, uh, you know, the former Red Sox manager. The first time I got to know him, he was the manager of the Mets, and we talked about prospects. And you know, the conversation at that time was someone in the Mets organization who was like 25 years old. And I remember Bobby looking at me saying, "When you're 25, you're not a prospect anymore." Like you are, you know, you are now into a point where you kind of are what you are. You can get better a little bit, and you might get a little bit worse, but you know, this idea that you're going to change dramatically from where you are, that's not going to happen. And he, of course, had managed guys like Juan Gonzalez. Uh, I think he managed Yvonne Rodriguez the outset of his career. Uh, Alex Verdugo is 26 years old, right? So now he's 273. He's got a 316 on base percentage. You know, there's a stat um, on Baseball Reference adjusted OPS plus where 100 is the median number across the baseball landscape. He's at 94. Hmm. He, according to that number, is a below-average player. And so, yeah, I think at this point, um, unless he changes something dramatically, this is kind of who Alex Verdugo is, and there's no doubt when we go back and look at the, you know, the tenure of Bloom, who came on board knowing that he was going to have to trade Mookie Betts, the fact is they did not get anything close to a difference-making player in that trade. That's pretty clear at this point. You know, we talked about this maybe a month ago. I'm going to bring it up again today. Aaron Judge has more home runs combined than Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, and Xander Bogarts. 
the team's power seems to be sapped, but Bogarts and Martinez specifically, their power seems to be sapped. What is going on? Yeah, with J.D. Martinez, you know, during the course of his career, even when he's been a great hitter, he goes through peaks and valleys, and I think that that's probably part of it, how he's being pitched. I don't have a good answer for you on Bogarts. I would say this. You know, I don't look at him as being a, a guy who is a you know, major candidate year after year to hit 30 homers. You know, he's a guy to me, a successful year, to hit 15 homers with a 320 batting average. That's closer to the type of player that he is. But there's no doubt that during this offseason, uh, one of the focuses, uh, foci for the Red Sox has to be adding a power hitter. And I you know, was looking and preparing a, for a story that's going to come out this weekend on ESPN.com. You know, you look at the long-term payroll obligations for the Red Sox. They have tremendous flexibility to make major moves. The only contracts that they have in the books, uh, multi-year contracts, are Chris Sale and Trevor Story. They have Matt Barnes under contract for 2023. But besides that, it's a wide-open slate. And given the amount of criticism that's on the Red Sox front office right now, you know, what I'm hearing around the edges is they plan to be aggressive and you do wonder. Yeah, I wrote a story earlier this year about you know who might be interested in Aaron Judge. Man, <laughs> yeah, like that would be something that if the Red Sox were to get involved in an Aaron Judge chase, that would begin to change the narrative about where they are. And I, I kind of beginning to wonder if they need something like that because clearly what they've been doing the last few years, sort of incrementally trying to get better without locking themselves into some huge obligation, it hasn't worked. Buster only of ESPN joining us that he does every Thursday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. You know, it's interesting. We just saw the Braves in town for two games, and Austin Riley just killed the Red Sox in game one of the series. He's 25 years old, just like Rafael Devers is. He just signed a 10-year, $212 million contract extension. Is that a fair comparison when we start talking about a Devers number, or is that still way too low? I still think it's low because of the fact that that uh, Austin Riley, you know, they're not in the same range in terms of their, you know, trajectory toward getting to uh, free agency. Um, and I think Devers is, in some respects, he might not hit for as much power. He's probably considered to be a better pure hitter, uh, you know, average hitter. Uh, Riley's probably considered to be a better defender. I think that it does give you some idea that look the the you know the the general consensus within the industry is that the Braves got Austin Riley on the cheap okay uh, for twenty one million dollars a year. So if you're the Red Sox, you you know the idea that you're going to get him for the Matt Olson contract, forget it. Like uh, talking about Devers, uh, you know moving forward, you have to understand, especially day by day, it gets closer to free agency. The price is going to go up. And, uh, you know, that to me will be one of the litmus tests that the, the Red Sox front office undergoes during the course of the wintertime. You know, we're talking about the Red Sox and what they need to do in the offseason. And I do think that next year, I'll, and I've supported Bloom a lot, I think this offseason is where the rubber meets the road for him. But when I look at the rotation, for next year I see Nick Pavetta as a lock and Garrett Whitlock, I think, going back to the rotation. Chris Sale is a total wild card. I don't bank on him at all. Do you think the Red Sox are wiser to fill out the rotation with the, some of the collection of all the young guys they've had this year, some of which have shown some promise, or do they need to go trade shopping and big-ticket item shopping for two or three starters this offseason? 
Yeah, they've got the payroll flexibility to add at least one major starting pitcher. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not sure who that would be per se. Uh, you know, the, when Joe Musgrove signed a long-term deal the other day with the Padres, that in theory is one of the big names coming off the board. I don't think there's necessarily a lot of help, but I, I think that one thing that's been demonstrated uh, based on fan reaction in recent weeks to the Red Sox is they need to do something. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't have a you know an organization basically printing money the way that they are. You know, bringing in huge amounts of revenue and not uh, turn around and put that into the team. Uh, without having some backlash from your fan base when you keep your payroll low. Uh, you, you can't go into next year with a $140 million payroll or whatever the number you know, will wind up being. And so I do think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to add at least one starting pitcher, and then you hope you figure out the rest. Let's face it, it's not like we're sitting here and they've got a bunch of trade assets either. They have a, you know, an older group that a lot of those – uh, a lot of the guys – are going to graduate uh, into free agency this winter. Buster, I'll get you out of here on this. You know, I'm getting caught up now on the Jeter docuseries, The Captain, that you that you have been a part of. And I just finished episode two, so I'm still several episodes behind. But there was a small appearance in episode two from Nomar Garciaparra. And one of my big regrets is that I wasn't here in New England and really old enough to truly appreciate Nomar. Like, in my mind... Nomar was a flash in the pan who was really good for a bit and was always hurt. I was shocked this morning to go look at his numbers and realize just how good he was and had just how good for as long as he was in Boston. Give me a little history lesson on what I'm missing by not remembering how good Nomar was. Yeah, he, you know, at one point, Sports Illustrated, you know, they had the trinity of shortstops, uh, I think, on their cover, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and I think Ray Ardonez was also, you know, considered to be part of that mix. He was a Mets shortstop. Yeah. He's more of a defender. But, you know, uh, Jeter and Alex, I know, caught a lot of flack from their peers by appearing shirtless on the cover <laughs> of Sports Illustrated. Nomar was a part of that group, too. Hmm. You know, he was considered to be a direct peer of Jeter and, and Alex. And, you know, kind of like back in the day in the 50s, there was a conversation about, okay, who was the greatest center fielder in New York? Was it... Uh, Willie Mays, or was it Mickey Mantle, or was it Duke Snyder? It was the same conversation in the late 90s about who was the best shortstop. Was it Alex? Was it Nomar? Was it Derek? He was absolutely a peer, which is why I was a little bit surprised in that that documentary, and I'm sure you saw this part, where Derek kind of slammed dunk on Nomar, where Nomar was saying, hey, we felt like we're real close to the the Yankees, and we were just a little bit away, and Derek followed up. Uh, with, yeah, that's what losers say. <laughs> that felt like an absolute slam dunk on Nomar's head when uh, when uh, that was included in the piece. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. And, yeah, Nomar's numbers. I mean, I knew he won a batting title. He might have won two in Boston, but I knew, he, I knew he had numbers. I didn't realize nine years' worth of very good numbers and general good health with the Red Sox, too. Hey, Sox-Orioles tonight. Are the Orioles just a nice story here for two weeks? Are they going to be in this thing at the end? I don't know if they're going to be in at the end, but they're certainly going to be in it. Uh, they're in it legitimately now. I mean, the players are energized. Uh, they have a great wave of momentum, and their catcher, Adley Rutschman, is one of the best offensive catchers we've seen in the last uh, 20 years. He's in that vein of, of Mike Piazza and Joe Maurer, uh, and that's a great starting point. You know, not only is he an excellent uh, defensive player, but he's a high-end offensive player. When you're talking about a guy with an on-base percentage, 
you know, uh, what is it? I think starting the day, it was at 366, slugging percentage over 500. That's pretty rare, especially when you're talking about a catcher. And by the way, just one more thing on the Jeter doc. I mentioned he slam dunk on Nomar's head. You wait later in the doc. He's slam dunking on my head. You'll have fun seeing that. <laughs> Buster, I look forward to that. You're on vacation next week. We will talk uh, in 14 days. That sounds great. I appreciate it, Brady.